In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. He opened his mouth in parables. Our Lord, knowing both how to capture our imagination and also how to sift through our bad intentions. It's all right. He uses stories. He uses parables. It's not sufficient simply for him to remind us to to be good, to obey the rules. He will do that. He'll list the Ten Commandments. He'll reiterate them. He'll give other specific teachings, and it wouldn't have happened just once. Imagine him having something akin to a stump speech, because he he went to many villages, many towns. It it would be absurd to think that he gave a, a different message uh, at each place he visited. Consider how much more significant it is how the evangelists, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, record his teaching. Giving it to us not only as the effective means for our salvation, but also in a a way which is catechetical, teaching us how to be teachers. Even more so is the reality that we aren't just simply taught to be good by being reminded of it, nor are we inspired to be good by by the, the stories and the examples that can be recounted for us, but we are changed when we meet someone else. We are changed by a life. We are changed by someone we know. The parables helped sift through people's bad intentions as well. Those who were able to recognize his goodness, truly followed him, truly listened to him, and were able to be present when he taught them more clearly. And those who couldn't recognize his goodness and were not interested would be present when he scolded the hypocrites. And so the incarnation happens so that we might know God, so that we might be given the opportunity to see his face and to be drawn into friendship with our creator, not the kind of friendship that we have with each other, one very, very unequal, where he establishes this relationship on his terms, by his initiative. It's the kind of bond that we call a covenant. And in this month of November, begun with the celebration of the Solemnity of All Saints, we're reminded that our Lord continues to send people, whether it be pastors or prophets. Yesterday, the church beatified Father Solanus Casey, 
He was born in the 1870s on a farm in Wisconsin. His parents were Irish immigrants. The sixth out of 16 children, I believe. He had a brother who entered the seminary, but had to drop out. He himself just grew up on the farm. Eventually, he drifted a bit, not spiritually. He family was always faithful in prayer, but he worked as a lumberjack. He worked as a hospital orderly. He worked as a streetcar operator. He proposed marriage to a young girl. His life was changed when, as a streetcar operator, he witnessed a brutal murder, and it caused him to reevaluate his life, his purpose. And he began to think of the call to the priesthood. So he entered the seminary. He listened to the priests who were giving him advice, applied to the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and entered high school seminary. He still had to finish high school. Classes then, in the late 1800s, in Milwaukee, were taught in German and Latin. And he spoke neither. He did his very best, but eventually had to withdraw from studies because he couldn't handle them. He's still confident in the grace given him. He made a private vow of chastity and celibacy. Eventually, he was led to Detroit where he entered the Capuchin Franciscans. He completed his studies with such low grades that they ordained him to what's called a priest simplex. Many of you know that term. A simple priest, he was permitted to offer mass, but he was not permitted to preach, and he was not permitted to hear confessions. And so upon his ordination, he would offer mass, and he was given the tasks that usually would be assigned to seminarians. He worked in the sacristy. He worked as the porter, right, as the greeter, the receptionist, as it were. And it was there that he changed people's lives. When they encountered him, who would have been simply the dispenser of information, pointing people to the direction they needed to go, they found in him love. He listened to them. He cared about them. It's where the sick and the needy and the poor would go for help, for prayers, for other assistance. And it wasn't very long before people realized that when he prayed for you, things happened. And he also implored them to pray. To pray with gratitude. To pray with confidence. And to seek the intercession available to them at the altar to request masses. If you've ever received a holy card or a mass intention card from the Seraphic Mass Association, it was founded by Father Solanus Casey. And so he kept track of the intentions and the requests and always left space down below to be able to record the answer to the prayers and the miracle received. He was incredibly humble throughout all of this, suffering terribly 
from skin diseases, which actually, in fact, killed him in the end. As a young boy, he contracted diphtheria, which left him um, with a very quiet, wispy, high-pitched voice, adding to the suffering of of a young man who loved music, who played the violin, but because of the disease he had as a boy, couldn't sing very well. In fact, was uh, took a good bit of ribbing in the seminary for his singing voice. Over the course of his lifetime, he met uh, his French-Canadian counterpart, whom hopefully you already have in your mind, St. André Bassett. They actually met each other. Apparently, we're not able to converse too well, one speaking English, the other speaking French, but they could pray with each other in Latin. Even Father Benedict Rochelle visited and got to know Father Solanus Casey and tells the story of not being able to sleep one night night and going into the chapel at 3 a.m., and there was Father Solanus praying and adoring the Blessed Sacrament. He teaches us love of the sick. He teaches us love of the poor. He teaches us simplicity and humility. And he also teaches that we need to be deliberate in our eager and humble efforts to cooperate with God's grace. He reminds us of how Christ changed us, not simply by telling us to be good, but by being in our lives. Think of the lesson of humility that much more effectively conveyed by by witnessing it, not just hearing about it not just being told the definition of the word. And then think about how we will learn humility before we go to heaven. No one's in heaven who's not humble. Will we learn humility only in purgatory? Or will we be willing to learn humility here? It's, it's, it's sobering and encouraging to know that God is still trying to teach us. He's still trying to use the experiences of life to form us. Brag about something. I guarantee you the next day God will humble you because you bragged about it. Yesterday I was talking to priests about marriage preparation and I insisted that couples whom I prepared for marriage do not have the divorce rate that other couples do. And this morning in the parking lot, I find out about a couple whom I married 15 years ago who are no longer together. We add them to, I'll add them to my prayers and I'll, and I'll take my lesson. 
Or how often do I remind the servers to, to do diligently what they're supposed to do and pay attention? And then I read the first page of the announcements, but not the second page of the announcements. So, to, to inform you, the second collection today is for the Campaign for Human Development. So if you put a blue and white envelope in the, in the basket, it's going to go to that. So your um, donations to the, to the parish are um, in the regular envelope or mark parish on the blue and white envelope. There's a new intention for the sick, a young man, 38 years old, who's uh, in a coma after a stroke, Tony Tran. So we'll pray for him and Jermaine Dagano for Thomas Rosa and still for Tara Flanagan Koenig. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And for all the faithful departed, we lost this week Father Jerry Creedon, a name that you would know. His funeral will be Tuesday. Um, a parishioner lost her father, so we pray as well for Ceferino Rodriguez, whose funeral will be in Fairfax on Tuesday. And we pray for Amy Carey's father, Russell Strasser, who passed away recently. For Rosario del Rio Balibian, and also for Antonio Jose Marquez, for whom this Mass is offered. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. I read that name wrong, actually. Antonio Jose Marquez was the 9 o'clock Mass. So this intention will be different. I'll be reminded of it when I see the name on the altar. But for all of them, we pray, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon May they rest in peace. Amen. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. And for protection from all wrath and every evil, we pray. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.